gotta call somebody. I'm back, baby. What? 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 Can I break on my lord? Four out of five top Hollywood movie stars use moment, moment, moment of clarity. What's happening, everybody? It's your man, Stefan G, and you are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity right here on the Promised Life Network. Moment of Clarity, the best darn podcast in the universe. Can I say that? Can I get away with actually saying Moment of Clarity is the best podcast in the world? Number one, if you're not listening, you're crazy. Moment of Clarity brought to you by SiteGeeks.com. SiteGeeks.com boosts your website's appeal in just 24 hours. Get their 77-point inspection that helps businesses and entrepreneurs achieve brand establishment, grow their conversions, increase engagement, and produce more leads. SiteGeeks.com, finding the things you haven't seen yet. SiteGeeks.com, that's S-I-T-E-G-E-E-K-Z.com. Because nothing is more important than your sight. So, today's show is going to be all about faith. And we're talking faith today, people. Faith, faith today. We're talking faith. And I'm already upset that I'm on this topic. Because you know what happens when you start talking to people about faith and trying to encourage people to have faith and so on and so forth. What happens? Your faith gets tested. So we're going to see what's going to come around in the next week. If there's no show next week, y'all know why. It's because I talked about faith today, and that's why there's no show next week. So keep an eye out to see if there's going to be a podcast next Thursday because I'm talking about faith today, and it's a guarantee that I'm going to have to have faith in something or somebody or somewhere over the next seven days. And, yeah, that that's going to be fun. Have you ever experienced that, Mike? Oh yes, definitely. What? What? Why is that? Why is it whenever you try to encourage someone in something, you now must sit down with your Scantron <laughs> and go through an examination? <laughs> I, I never thought of it that way, but your number two pencil, right? Yeah, exactly. Two number two pencils. You can't just have one. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about faith today. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about faith is because I really believe that faith is an overlooked aspect of Christianity. And I think we don't utilize our faith correctly, and I think we don't put our faith in the proper things, and I think we don't understand how faith works and how important it is, and I think we don't realize that faith is it. I'll say that again. Faith is it. Faith is is the number one thing when it comes to Christianity, period. I don't care how much love you have. I don't care how much, how caring you are. I don't care how many homeless people you want to shelter, how many hungry people you want to feed. Faith is the entire capsulation of the Christianity faith. That's why they call it a faith. It's, I didn't even think about that. It's even called a faith. Faith is the biggest and most important part of the faith. You are a part of the faith. 
You work and walk in the faith. You live in the faith. And we say that all the time, yet 90% of us have no faith whatsoever. And then those of us who do have faith, some of us, out of the 90% that think they have faith but don't have faith, there's 75% of those who think they have faith, but all they really have is emotions. All they really have is gemmed up emotions, just revved up emotions, geared up emotions. They have feelings, but not faith. And as I tell people all the time, the problem with your feelings is that they will change at the drop of a dime. They will change at the drop of a dime. You can be having the worst day of your life. You can be having, you know, just one of those case of the Mondays kind of days. You can be having, you know, like the kids would say, a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And I can walk up to you and drop $10 million on you and your feelings change instantly. Instantly, it's a beautiful day. The best day of your life. The most magnificent day you've ever had. Instantly, it is an amazing day. Now, for the first 18 hours, it was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad, awful, just gut-wrenching, I can't believe this is happening to me, when will this day be over day? And in the matter of four minutes, I'm not dropping 10 million on you, but if I did, in the matter of four minutes, your entire day would change, and you would then begin to proclaim that as one of the greatest days of your life, regardless of what happened in the 18 hours prior to the three minutes that I dropped $10 million on. And it doesn't have to be $10 million. It can be the job that you've been waiting for, or it can be the approval that you've been looking for, or it can be the, the person that you've wanted to fall in love with, or it can be a number of different things that instantly change how you feel. But feelings change. And the reason I'm talking about feelings right now so much is because people don't understand that we often equate our faith to our feelings. And and if we do that, just like our feelings can change on an instant, our faith will then change in an instant. And that's not good faith. It's not the kind of faith we want to have. We don't want to have the faith that changes at the drop of a dime based on how things are going or based on what we think of ourselves. Because a lot of people's faith is based on what they think of themselves. Because if they are a bad person and they can never get anything right and they can't achieve anything and they are a failure, then there's no point in them having faith in anything good happening to them. And that, that's an actually an entirely different show. <laughs> but it's true. A lot of people have faith that's based on their self-perception. A lot of people have faith that's based on their perception of others or their a lot of people have faith that's based on their perception of their parents. However, their parents treated them or taught them when they were growing up as a child. That's how their faith is based. I know I was one of those people. I share a little story with you. I grew up um, and you'll be able to read the entire story in my next book. It's called I Can Relate. But I grew up in an extraordinarily abusive household. Um, I'll give you the short, short version, though. I grew up to a, with a single mother. I saw my natural father maybe four times in my life. Um, one of those times, he got me a bike and then disappeared for Christmas. I got a brand new red mongoose. It was really cool. Um, and so I didn't know my father, my natural father. I never, never really knew him. I can remember maybe three times that I can remember seeing him in life. One of them I remember was at a baseball game. Somebody had a baseball game. 
Um, that's the one that sticks out for some reason. So I grew up with no father. Well, when I was about eight, nine years old, um, my mother met someone, and he became my stepfather. Well, he was outrageously abusive to me and my mother. He started out just on me, and then as I started to grow up, he decided to to change and kind of transfer over to my mom. But what I mean, when I say extraordinarily abusive, I mean this man picked up logs of wood and beat me with logs of wood as spanking punishment, you know, broke uh he broke broom handles on my back as a seven-year-old and as an eight-year-old. Um, I mean, like, really abusive. Not, oh, I got spankings and it was terrible. I mean, true abuse, right? And right around the age of eight or nine, my mom decided that she had to work in North Carolina and he had just gotten a job in Vermont. And we were all supposed to be moving into the same place in Vermont, but at the time they needed both incomes. So she decided she was going to send me to Vermont to live with him, right? And the abuse was just terrible because he had no accountability now. There was no mom there to kind of cover the little bit that she was covering before. And so I grew up in this my entire life. And so a couple years went by and she finally joined us in the house and then he abused me and he began to abuse her and so on and so forth. So the reason I tell that story, you know, and I grew up and I went to high school and he tried to actually kill my mother and I actually saved her life, which is a very interesting story. And when I say I saved her life, I mean I walked in on him trying to kill my mother, that kind of thing. So fast forward a few years and I meet Jesus right? And I'm learning about Christianity and I'm learning about faith and I'm learning about what it takes to have faith in Christ, but I can never quite get there. I can never quite get to that place where I truly believe him. I believe in him, but I don't necessarily believe him when he says something. I have no problem believing that he died on the cross, rose on the third day, that he is the king of the universe, that he is, I am, that I am, that he is the God of all gods, that he is the one that sits in heaven on the high place at the right hand of the father. I have no problem believing any of that, but I have absolutely no ability to believe when he says, I love you. And I have absolutely no ability to believe when he says, I believe in you. And I have absolutely no ability to believe when he says, you can do it. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't figure out why I couldn't be a good Christian. Everybody else was being a good Christian and I couldn't be a good Christian. I couldn't get over the hump and I couldn't get my faith in line. I just could not trust him. But the reason I couldn't trust him is because I don't know how to trust anybody because I grew up and the people I was supposed to trust the most, my parents, I couldn't trust them. The place where I was supposed to learn trust in your in the arms of your parents was a place that I failed to be able to trust. I couldn't trust my natural father because he was not there for me ever. So God became absent and abstract. Even though I believe he existed, he was never around when I needed him. And so I couldn't trust my mother because she abandoned me to a place full of abuse so the one person that was supposed to care for me and nurture me and make sure everything was okay and make sure I was taken care of, I couldn't trust her, which transferred over to Jesus when it was time for me to trust Jesus. I couldn't trust him to care for me and nurture me. I couldn't trust him in the all these things will be added unto you area. 
And then my stepfather was abusive and he didn't like me and he didn't want to be around me. And if, and the same thing transferred over to Jesus because I was a sinner and because I couldn't get things right, I started to believe Jesus didn't love me. He didn't want me or he, he loved me, but he didn't like me. He loved me in the way that you love your little brother because you have to, even though he gets on your nerves. He didn't like me, though. He didn't want to be around me. He didn't want to have anything to do with me because I was such a sinner because I couldn't get my life right. This is how my faith was. My faith was an absent father. My faith was an abandoning mother. My faith was was an abusive father. And when I think about what we call God, we call him the father. And that's where my faith transitioned. So you're telling me to believe in a father when the only example of a father I have is somebody who was absent from me, just didn't want anything to do with me. And then the substitute father who was supposed to love me because the first father didn't love me, he didn't do any good either. So I've got God the father who I'm trying to identify with as the original father who didn't want to have anything to do with me. And I've got Jesus who's supposed to be the substitute who didn't want to have anything to do with me and abused me and used me. And that's where my faith was grounded. That's where my faith lived for so many years. And even today is something I still struggle with on a regular basis. I still have to remind myself that God is good. And we as a people can easily fall into that trap of having our faith being based on something that has no substance and no truth. And when your faith is not based on truth, your faith doesn't exist. When your faith is not based on something that is as solid as the rock of Christ, your faith does not exist. And I'm telling you all of this so that you, as a person listening to this podcast, can search yourself and identify whether your faith is real or not. Yeah, you feel like it's real. Yeah, you believe Jesus. You have faith the size of a mustard seed. You have faith to be able to tell that mountain to move and it'll move, right? What was the last time you moved a mountain? I haven't seen any mountains moved in years. And I'm not talking about no daggone metaphorical mountains. I'm talking about a mountain. Where is that faith in action? Because if the faith is not in action, what does the Bible tell us? It's dead. Dead means ceases to exist. See, a lot of people take that scripture, faith without works is dead, means if I'm not doing something to prove that I trust God, then he doesn't like me. That's not what that that's not what that scripture means. It doesn't mean that if you're not doing something to prove that you trust God, then he then will not bless you. It's not what it means. It means your faith, your claimed faith, if it has no action to back it up, it actually ceases to exist. And I believe we as a church, as a community, as a nation of Christian believers are running off feelings and not faith. I believe we're running off feelings and not faith. And I'm here today to help destroy those feelings and to invigorate that faith. Because faith is the only thing that matters. Faith is everything in Christianity. It is everything. It is the foundation of everything we do is based on faith. And if you're not rocking your faith, I'm sorry, you're not, you're missing out. God is blessing you because he loves you, not because your faith is so great. 
Got to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk to David Taylor, licensed mental health counselor. This is Moment of Clarity. My name is Stefan G. Be back in a second. Moment of Clarity is your man, Stefan G. And we're talking about faith right now. And I'm trying to destroy the feelings. Because I believe that a lot of us who believe we have faith really just have revved up feelings. We've just revved ourselves into a frenzy like we do at church. You know, we get all excited because the music is loud and it's pumping us up, you know, and we've just gotten a really good feel good message. And we, we, we feel like we can take over the world, but we don't really believe we can take over the world. And there's a big difference in feeling like you can take over the world and actually believing I am going to take over this world. And I want to see more Christians that believe they can take over the world and less Christians that feel like they can take over the world. I want to see more Christians that trust that God, Christ, the father will put them in a position and support them in their desire to overtake the globe as opposed to people who feel like they can take over the world because they had a good message on Sunday. And then on Monday, they got a case of the Mondays. And you just felt like you could take over the world on Sunday. And then on Monday, you got a case of the Mondays. You ain't even going to take over your block, let alone the world. Where's David at? David Taylor, licensed mental health counselor, founder of MenOurMarriage.com. David, what's happening? What's going on? Moment of clarity. Not much, I man. <laughs> you having a good day? I am having a good day. Now, we, you and I have talked a little bit about faith, and I kind of want you to talk just for a moment because we talked about the actual actionness of faith, you know, and the faith, the grain of a mustard seed and how people are actually looking at faith wrong in the Bible. You know, when they look at the scriptures that say have the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, when they look at scriptures that say uh, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, they're missing the point in all of these scriptures. Talk to me for a second about that. Yeah. um, Here's the thing with Christians, you know, which I lock myself in too. We, We have a very, very skewed sense of entitlement. And I believe that we also, because we, uh, in, in our westernized culture, um, we are literally uneducated as it pertains to, like, the context of the Bible. We yeah. look at the Bible from our lenses. And because we, don't, because we lack that understanding and because we have this whole sense of entitlement, that because we're Christian, everything is owned to us, we, we have a way of looking at the Bible and understanding principles like faith and salvation and healing and miracles and signs and wonders. We have a way of understanding that that ineffective. Um, and, it, and it leads to a lot of disgruntled Christians as a result. You know, right. and we were talking about the scripture, uh, Romans ten seventeen, where it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right. Cause I've heard and that scripture preached. Of, huh? I've heard that scripture preached a million times. 
<laughs> a million. I mean, literally, I could yeah. probably count up to a million times that I've heard that scripture preach. Faith yeah. come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And every time I've heard it preached, it was preached to tell the person to pick up the word of God and have faith on what God is saying in his word. Yeah, yeah. And, and in theory, it sounds great, right? I mean, the Bible is the infallible word of God. It, it, everything that's in the Bible is true. It's, it's factual. It works. There's no flaws in it. So if I believe in a scripture, you know, that says that I could pick up a serpent and if it bites me, I, I, you know, I won't die. Yeah. If I believe in that, then, then I'm good. That's what my faith is in. You know, and unfortunately, most people, like I said earlier, they misunderstand the context, the cultural context of the Bible. So, like, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It wasn't written in English, the English lexicon. Right. The New Testament was written in Greek. So it wasn't written in the English lexicon. So if I read the Bible from my westernized, very, you know, this is all my perspective, then I'm going to misinterpret probably 95% of what the Bible actually means. Right. Because it's not all I'm gonna yours. I'm going to read the Bible. Huh? Because it's not all yours. It's not all mine. It's not. There's certain parts of the Bible that was written to that person for that person. Period. Yeah. It wasn't written where I could read it and then take the promises that they got and put that on my life. Right. That, that's just, that's a very, like I said, it's a sense of entitlement. And so, okay, let's take that scripture, Romans 10, 17. Let's, let's exegete it for a quick second. Really quick. Let's just. Real quick. Deep. Real deep. Real quick. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word, word, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word in the Greek lexicon is actually translated a certain way. So most people, okay, so the word, word in Greek can be translated just like love can be translated a couple of different ways. Right. The word word can be translated two different ways. It can either be translated as logos or rhema. Mm-hmm. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, is the written instructional word of God. So it's actually the word of God that's written, the right. Bible. The Bible. And then rhema is translated as the spoken word of God, the audible, the current word of God. And in that scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the actual word that's the correct translation is rhema. So it should say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. So then when you read that scripture, it takes on a completely different meaning. Yeah, now it's not about what's written down in the Bible any longer. Exactly. Now it's about a relationship between a God and his child and you being able to interpret and hear what he is saying for you in your life in a given situation. Now I can't just go to the Bible and, you know, get do my, you know, my, my spinning wheel and just pick my finger <laughs> on the verse and say, okay, that's mine. And at the end of the day, like you were saying earlier, which you said it very, very well, if there's no action behind it, it's dead. And so here's a quick, you, can I tell you a quick story? Now, my story is not going to be as good as your story. <laughs> go but ahead. A quick story, okay? This is, okay, so I, I, I was reading this book, and this is a real story. It's happened in real life. I was reading this book. It's called The Fourth Dimension, um, and it's by a pastor in Hong Kong, uh, Dr. David Cho. And you can look it up. You can go to, you know, Amazon or whatever, but Dr. David Yonggi Cho, last name C-H-O. And he uh, heads one of the largest churches over there. And so he was telling the story in the book about 
a, a time where there was this lady who was a very, you know, authoritative speaker. She always would have these huge gatherings of young Christians that would come together and they would be on fire for God. And she would have these, you know, you would have to cross a river to get to where she is. Um, but, she, you know, people would come by right. the droves and then they just would flock to her. Mm-hmm. There was one time she was having a meeting and it started to storm and thunder and it was very bad, too, so bad that the rivers, um, you couldn't cross them. They were too high. Boats wouldn't last. Um, the waves were too high, just too turbulent. And so there was these three young, very radical, very on-fire, passionate, three young women, and they were they they still wanted to go to her gathering. And it was like, this storm is not going to stop us. You know, and they lived across the room, so they had to cross it to get to it, where the boats couldn't make it. And so they said, you know what? Peter walked on the water. Peter's faith is our faith. And all that he had to do was ask Jesus, and Jesus said, come. And he walked on the water. He had faith. And Peter's no he's no greater than us. Our faith is his faith. So we're going to stand on the faith of what Peter did. And we're going to stand on that faith. We're going to own it as ours. So they, 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 three of them got close to the riverbank, and they corralled themselves and got very hyper and, and animated and held hands, and they all took the same first step to the river. And immediately the river swept them underneath, and three days later, all three of their dead bodies washed up on shore. And the media there, the nation, literally those that were following Christianity, they were all kind of in uproar. They were kind of disappointed, confused, sad, and they didn't yeah. know what was going on. And that's when David, Dr. David Cho spoke, and he taught about how Peter's faith was in the rhema of Christ. When, Jesus, when Peter said, bid me to come, and Jesus said, come, that's when he stepped onto the water. Right. So he stepped into the water based off of what was spoken to him. And these girls, they stepped on the water based off of what they read, but not what God had spoken to them directly. Right. Where they, they the stepped on that, they stepped on the water based on what was spoken to Peter. Yes. 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 And that's the fallacy of faith. Is that if I put my faith in something that I read but I didn't hear, when the Bible says faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the Rhema, if I don't have Rhema in my life, which means if I don't have a connection I don't have that access directly to God's voice, then I'm going to be putting my faith in a lot of things that's not necessarily spoken and, and spoken to me. You know, and, and, and we work with a lot of marriages. We see this a lot where people will get, you know, because divorces, God hates divorce. That's in the Bible. So people will put their faith on that. Right. Instead of putting their faith on what God is saying specifically to their marriage, you know, and that actually happened personally in my life, you know, with, when my marriage was on the brinks. My wife had put her faith in what God had told her about our marriage, specifically prior to us even getting together. Right. You know, she had fasted for seven days before we even started dating. She wanted to make sure that she heard from God, and God said God gave her the approval. And so we started to date. We got married. We almost had a divorce. But during that time, my wife was able to stand on what God had said, even before we got married, about our marriage. And mm. that was the faith. That was the rhema that she stood on. Right. You know, and so that's it's something that most churches don't speak about because we have this entitlement. And I and I think that that entitlement that you speak of, I think that what I like to call it that selfishness is where we go wrong. 
You know, because yeah. like you said, we, we believe and we're even taught that every promise in the Bible belongs to you. Everything the Bible says belongs to you. Anything in the Bible that was given to anybody in the Bible, that promise belongs to you and you can pick it up. And it's like we've said before, some things in the Bible are not even written for you to pick up. Some are just a historical record. Some are a a allegory so that you can see a hidden meaning in a story or a poem or something like that. Some of them are strictly poetry. Some of them are prophetic. Some of so, and if you're not looking at the Bible in those aspects, you're going to miss out on the opportunities to have faith because you're going to try to have faith in everything that's there. And like I said, you're going to have faith based on your feelings because you're going to read something that coincides with what you want in your life anyway. And you're selfishly just going to take that on and grab it and hold it close to your heart and call it what you're having faith on instead of checking to see whether it even applies to you or is for you to begin with, because you're just trying to find something that supports what you want anyway. Wow. You know, I tell people all the time, facts are like scriptures. Scriptures are like facts. And I tell people because I, I talk about politics a lot with a lot of my friends and they want to bring up facts. I can find facts to support any particular statement that I want to make. Any stance that I have in America, I can find a fact mm-hmm. somewhere to support that same thing. And we do the exact same thing with the Bible. Any stance that I want to have in the Bible. I can find a scripture to support it. It might not have anything to do with all the other scriptures, but I can find a scripture somewhere that will support just about any stance that I want to have that supports what I want to do. And I think that's like what you said. We're looking at the Bible from a selfish aspect and taking things to support just what we feel like doing in order to make us feel better. And we're calling it faith because it supports what we want instead of looking at it and saying, well, that's not even written for me. That's written for somebody else. So I can't have faith on that. So instead of me looking to this book as a uh, Ouija board and looking for it to tell me what to say, instead of me looking in this book as some type of horoscope and looking for it to tell me the future, why don't I just get into my relationship with my father and get into my relationship with the savior of the universe and listen to what he has to say? Because he might not only support what I'm trying to do, but he might give me the instructions and the outline and the way to do it the most effective. Yeah. And if I, oh my gosh, I, okay, so I'm not going to get on my soapbox for now, I promise. <laughs> but I'm just going to say this. God is bigger than the book. Ooh. You're going to get some mail God for that was, one. Right? Before the Bible existed, God was. There, were a, there was a time in the Bible when there was no Bible. Yep. And so if, 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 our, if all our faith is simply just hinged on the Bible, and what about the people that didn't have a Bible? What about Jesus, who didn't have a Bible? He had the Torah, right, which was the first five books, the Pentateuch. That's right. all he had. He didn't have everything that was currently being written about him or that would be written about him. So it's, it, it, it can't be that our faith has – and I'm not minimizing the Bible. I'm not. So please – I told, I told you, you're going to get some emails. You're going to get some uh, emails, buddy. You're getting some emails. Well, that's fine. I, I value emails. I appreciate it. <laughs> David at com. Let me stop. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying don't use the Bible. I'm saying use the Bible appropriately. That's all I'm saying. Yes. I think the Bible is going to be, it's intended to help you learn about the Father. It's, it's to help you learn about God's nature. It's to help you learn about how he thinks, how he feels, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And I believe it's intended to push you closer to having an intimate, personal relationship with him. But it cannot supplement a personal, intimate relationship. 
If you read the Bible more than you talk to God, then you're doing it backwards. Ooh. That one cut. That one cut, David. That one cut, man. You slicing people up around here. Well, oh, oh, and if you've never read if you've never read the Bible in its entirety, which I mean from all sixty six books of the Bible from cover to cover, if you haven't under got a proper understanding of what the Bible is all about and the connections made from the beginning to the end of it, if you don't have that big picture, if you're just going off of what you learned in Sunday school and Bible study and Sunday service, then you're doing it wrong. You know what, David? Just you because you said that, just because you said that, I'm going to challenge everybody that's listening to this show right now. I'm going to challenge everybody that's listening to this podcast. If you still listen, it not, nope, nope. Now's not the time to turn it off. Keep get your button <laughs> off the mouse. Now is not the time to turn it off. I'm going to challenge everybody who's listening to this podcast right now. If you go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Stefan G, I'm going to post something every day for the next five days, let's say. I'll do it for the next week. Every day for the next week, I'm going to post something specifically about a challenge to read the Bible from cover to cover. All 66 books in order from cover to cover. If you will join me in reading the Bible from cover to cover, all 66 books, I will post something on my Facebook page every day so that you can sign up and then I will direct you into a Facebook group and we'll have our own private Facebook group of people that are going to join in and read the Bible all 66 books from cover to cover. So if you're listening, facebook.com slash the Stefan G. That's S-T-E-F-A-N-G. It's facebook.com slash the Stefan G. And every day, look for the post. You'll be able to sign up to be a part of the Facebook group so that you can read with me the Bible from cover to cover all 66 books. I don't know how long it's going to take us. I don't know if we're going to do uh, the year-long Bible devotional or whatever we're going to do to get it done. But if you want to find out more about Christ and you and learn how to use your faith effectively and learn what your faith is and why it is and how to use it join me in reading the bible cover to cover all 66 books from genesis to revelation in order facebook.com slash the stefan g want to say a big thank you to david taylor for joining us from uh, mendourmarriage.com and licensed mental health counselor david we appreciate you you've been listening to moment of clarity my name is stefan g we'll catch you next week i'm standing in my van shoes yeah and you know how we does this holy christ like songs on my playlist and a blackberry bowl with the bible the time that i spend with god's soul